brothers and sisters in Christ who are watching in from India, Pakistan and Uganda and we trust that they'll be able to feel part of our worship today. Just to remind our congregation that next Sunday our church will reopen for our Sunday morning worship at 11.30 a.m. And we encourage you that if you're fit and well and available, uh, that you'd be very welcome to come back and to worship God in the safety uh, of our building. And if not, uh, you can connect with us through our online ministries. Indeed, our online ministries continue as usual uh, throughout the week, and we trust that you'll make them known uh, and that, of course, you'll encourage each other and your friends at home uh, to connect with us online. By way of announcement, I also uh, bring you news with sadness, uh, the following deaths in our congregation. Firstly, I bring to you the death of Mr. Sam McInnes, Ashgrove Nursing Home, Newry, and formerly of 26 Belga Drive in Rathfyland. The death of Mrs. Daisy Wilson, Greenvale Nursing Home, Castle Wellen, and formerly of Finnard Road, Newry. Mrs. Annie Fee, the Manor Nursing Home, formerly Monagore Road, Rathfryland. And so this day, as we gather to worship, uh, we want to assure Olga and her family circle, the Wilson family circle, and the Fee family circle of our thoughts and our prayers. Death this week has caused great destruction to the family of First Rathfryland Presbyterian Church with, as I have reported to you, three deaths this week. Just as we will discover that death brought great destruction to Saul and his family with Saul and his two sons dying in the chapter of 1 Samuel that we're studying today. God speaks to us in different ways, but ultimately God does speak. In preparing our hearts for worship, we turn to the letter of Philippians chapter 3. And we read together verses 18 to 21. For, as I have often told you before, and now say again even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. We see there the two paths, the two ways, the two places of eternity and God has provided for us a, a plan of salvation which will take us to heaven which will give us glorious new bodies but we also have to remember that God's plan has also provided for those who have no time for God those who have no time for the Savior Jesus because they will go to hell and eternal 
damnation. Let's now come before our God in prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we draw aside today in the place of worship because we're not focused on earthly things. Lord God, we have come to fix our gaze upon you, our God, the one who has provided for our plan of salvation. Father God, we come this day to focus on the glorious work of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, how he lived the sinless life as he walked this earth, how he willingly obeyed your will and plan and went to the cross at Calvary. And there he died for our sins so that by faith we may have the gift of eternal life. Father God, we rejoice today that you have provided for us in so many ways. But Lord, we rejoice most of all that you have provided a plan of salvation and that after our life on this earth is complete, we know that through the work of Christ we will reside forever as citizens in the kingdom of God in heaven. Lord God, may we this day, as we gather in words of prayer, as we gather in singing songs of praise, as we gather in studying your word and reading from it, may we, Lord God, have a new sense of what heaven is like. May we be refreshed in our faith. May we be strengthened in the courage and boldness to proclaim the good news of Christ. And Lord God, especially as we journey through this season of Advent, as we are reminded about the need to wait, just as they of old waited for the birth of Christ, may we of this age be reminded that we are waiting for the return of our Saviour Christ, who one day will break through the heavens and appear in his glory. And so, Father, fill this place and this time of worship with your glory. Draw us closer to yourself as we come in expectation. Amen. As we wait upon our God, we come with our first item of praise. It's found in the words of the hymn, Abide with me.
words of that hymn are familiar to most of us. They're words that we often associate with singing at funerals. Uh, And there we have that desire uh, for God to abide with us in death. And yet we cannot expect God to abide with us in death if we're not willing for him to abide with us in life. So may we indeed pray that God would be and abide with us in life and in death. Today our Bible reading is from 1 Samuel 31, 1 Samuel 31, verses 1 to 13, and will be read by one of our elders, Colin Boyd. And here we get a picture of death and destruction. Good morning, everyone. Our Bible reading this morning is found in 1 Samuel chapter 31 and we're reading verse 1 to the end of the chapter. This is God's word. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them and many fell slain on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines pressed hard after Saul and his sons and they killed his sons Jonathan, Abinadab and Malachua. The fighting grew fierce around Saul, and when the archers overtook them, they wounded him critically. Saul said to his armor-bearer, Draw your sword and run me through, or these uncircumcised fellows will come and run me through and abuse me. But his armor-bearer was terrified and would not do it, so Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When the armor-bearer saw that Saul was dead, he too fell on his sword and died with him. So Saul and his three sons and his armor-bearer and all his men died together that same day. When the Israelites along the valley and those across the Jordan saw that the Israelite army had fled and that Saul and his sons had died, they abandoned their towns and fled. And the Philistines came and occupied them. The next day, when the Philistines came to strip the dead, they found Saul and his three sons falling on Mount Gaborah. They cut off his head and stripped him of his armor, and they sent messengers throughout the land of the Philistines to proclaim the news in the temple of their idols and among their people. They put his armor in the temple of the Ashtoreths, and fastened his body to the wall of Bershan. When the people of Jabesh Gilead heard of what the Philistines had done to Saul, all their valiant men journeyed through the night to Bershan. They took down the bodies of Saul and his sons from the wall of Bershan and went to Jabesh, where they buried them. Then they took their bones and buried them under a tamarisk tree of Jabesh, and they fasted for seven days. This is the word of God. Amen. Colin, thank you for bringing us that uh, reading from the word of God, and we asked for God uh, to bless that reading uh, to us. Uh, At this point in our service, if I could turn uh, with the boys and girls and the young people where we've come to the end of the book of 1 Samuel, and we're coming today to the end of our study 
and our thinking about this word respect. We've been working through uh, each letter week by week and today we're coming uh, to the final letter T and we're going to capture that all and round it off as we study together. So I thought, like last week, uh, as we work through it, it's good to reflect on the letters and to summarize this, to bring it together as a word. T is the one we're looking at today, and you can see there at the bottom of the list, it's the last letter, and it's about think before you speak. And that's maybe easier said than done for some of us and maybe there's some of us who are very shy and we don't like to speak very much but the letter T will remind us to think before we speak so we started back with the letter R the first letter in the word, in the word respect and three things we learnt about the letter R it encourages us to remain calm and it doesn't matter boys and girls what age we are or for older, teens and twenties, or if we're grannies and grandas, we can all learn about respect. We can all learn about remaining calm. We can learn about responding in the right way, and we can all reflect good manners. Uh, I'm sure you've heard it said that good manners doesn't cost anyone anything. So, the letter R. Then E, we thought about enjoy and celebrate together, uh, and we thought about occasions like your birthday party. Maybe now you're looking forward to Christmas and being able to join together with some of your family, if not all of them. You're able to enjoy and celebrate. Engage and show up is another part of being respectful. It's about engaging and doing uh, what you said you would do. And then explain to other people how they've encouraged you. So R-E, then S. S encourages us to stay positive, to keep a smile on our face, to show self-respect. So we often think about respecting others, but respect also encourages us to respect ourselves. Self-respect. And then shame. Letter S standing for shame. Don't shame others. Always try to encourage people. And don't go out of your way to shame others. Then we move from the letter S to the letter P. And the letter P reminds us to be polite to others. And how can we be polite to others? Well, we can use the right words. We can say please, and we can say thank you. And there are a host of other words that help to show that you're being respectful. And you can also, as we say, pat others on the back. Not just pat yourself on the back, but it's good to go and pat other people on the back. And you can simply pat other people. We're not allowed to touch so much now, but you can pat other people on the back by saying, thank you for doing that, or that was very kind. And that helps to show respect. Then E for embracing others, making others feel at home, making them feel welcome at school making them feel welcome in church. And we learnt when we looked at the letter E that all of us are unique. We're all special, and yet we've all been created in the image of God. So we're to acknowledge that we all have a part to play, that being respectful to each other reflects that we understand 
that we have a purpose. And indeed, we'll be learning today that God has a plan for us. So we all have a unique peace in God's jigsaw and God's plan. But that takes energy. We have to work at it. And sometimes we can get tired of it. But God still wants us to keep being respectful. Last week we thought about the letter C and we thought about our classmates. How do we show respect to our classmates in school? Well, we do the things we've been learning about under the different letters. We also, we consider that the words that we use have consequences. If you use as little as one word in the wrong way or you use the wrong word, you can then have an impact a sad impact on your classmates or a sad impact in those that you live with at home. And then C reminds us to come to learn. We can come together to learn in Sunday school and that we're doing that online or through BB and GB or through CE and through Children's Address. We can come together to learn about God and about the Bible just as you're coming together to learn at school. So the final letter today is the letter T. And there are two things that I want to remind you about in the letter T. Firstly, take time to listen. I know that there are some of us, and we all get excited. We want to tell mummy or daddy or granny or granda what all took place at school or what all happened whenever you're out at the shop. You're all excited and you want, you want to talk. But the letter T reminds us that it's also important important to take time to listen, to listen to what other people are saying. And when you listen to other people, then you will hear new things and you will hear exactly what they're saying to you. The other thing uh, about the letter T is to think before you speak. Sometimes someone will say something to you and you maybe respond very quickly. But when we're being respectful, we'll actually pause, we'll draw our breath, and we'll think before we answer. We'll think before we reply, before we give a response. And so the words, boys and girls, and indeed older people that we use, are very important. We need to think about them. We need to think. And so as we think about this letter T, and the thinking before you speak, think, is what you're saying true? Are you telling the truth? And sometimes we have to work to find out, is that the truth? Then, is what you're going to say, is it helpful? Is it helpful to your classmates? Is it helpful to your brothers and sisters or your cousins? Is it helpful to your school teacher or your mum or dad or granny or granda? I is it inspiring? Now, inspiring is a big word, but inspiring is meant to make us feel big. Inspiring is meant to make us think about encouraging others, about patting others in the back. Think about what you're going to say. Is it inspiring? Is it helpful? Does it pat each other in the back? And then N, is it necessary? Now, you may think it's necessary, but does the person that you're saying it to do they think it's necessary for you to use those words? And then finally, as we think about being respectful, in many ways, respectful is another way of showing kindness. 
think about your words, the words that you use, think of K. Is it kind? Or what you're going to say, the words you're going to use, are they reflecting kindness to the person that you're speaking to? So it's good to take time to listen. It's good to take time to think about what you're saying. And before you speak, think T-H-I-N-K. Because, boys and girls, we've been thinking about respect as a word. A word that's made up of letters. R-E-S-P-E-C-T. But, boys and girls and young people, respect is more than just a word. Respect is something that we have to do. It's a doing word. And we have to put it into practice. So we have opportunities to put it into practice. Now I know for some of you, school has been on and off because of the COVID restrictions. But in normal circumstances, you have the opportunity to go to school. And there you have the opportunity to show respect to your classmates and to your teachers and to those that help provide your food and look after the schools, etc. Also, you have the opportunity to show respect in your home. It's very important that you show respect to your mum and dad, to your granny and grandas, to the older people, as well as to your brothers and sisters. And then it's also important, boys and girls, that we show respect when we're in church. So when we're able to meet in Sunday school or BB or GB, when we're able to meet here, like next Sunday, then that's also a good opportunity for us to show respect and to demonstrate that respect is just not another word in the dictionary, but respect is something that we, and especially as Christians, we show to other people. So I trust that you have found that study in the word respect useful and that it will be helpful to you, not only now when you're younger, but as you go through life, it will be easy and it will be helpful to show respect to everyone that you meet. So thanks again for, for your attention. Thank you for taking time to listen. Now we're going to come and talk to God. We're going to use our words as we talk to God in prayer. And God has promised to us that he will listen. So we're going to come and we're going to pray for others and we're going to give him thanks. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the plans that you have. Lord, we thank you for the plans that you have for our boys and girls, for the plans that you have for our church and for all of our lives and for the work and witness of our congregation. Lord, we thank you that you're in control and that you hold the future and you know the future. And we pray that you'd help us to follow your plan. Lord, as we give you thanks for your goodness, for your plans and for your blessings. Lord, we want to pray for our congregation. We want to pray today for those who mourn on the death of a loved one. And so we pray for Olga and her family on the death of Sam. Lord, we pray for the Wilson family circle, remembering Margaret and Ivor and their families at this time. Lord, we also want to commit to you the family of the late Annie Fee. 
We ask, Lord, that in your mercy and in your grace that you would be near to all who grieve this day and that your Holy Spirit may bring comfort and hope to them at this time. Lord, we want also to pray for our government. We pray for our government at all levels as they, in the coming days and weeks, are faced with major and yet more major decisions. Lord, we pray for them as they deal with COVID, with plans, with restrictions, and with changes during this Christmas and New Year period. Lord, we ask that you would grant them wisdom. Lord, we pray also on the matter of Brexit. We understand that day by day we're getting closer to that a final deadline, and yet there are still ongoing negotiations. So we pray for our Prime Minister. We pray for the government. Lord, we pray for the negotiating teams that this matter may be dealt with in a way that is helpful and constructive and is in accordance with your plan. Lord God, as we've been talking with the boys and girls, we want today to pray for boys and girls and young people in India who have been caught in a cycle of family debt and who have been forced as a result of that to work in brick factories where they work long hours, where they handle heavy weights of bricks. Lord, we pray that you would be near to them and they too may know about respect and those that own and manage the factories may also be respectful. Father God, we pray also for our church committee as they meet on Tuesday night. Lord, we ask that you would give them wisdom, guidance and direction as they deal with the business of our congregation. These things we pray in and through Jesus' name. Amen. Our sermon title for today is Respect for God's Plan. Uh, and this is really a summary of Saul's life. This is really the conclusion of our study in this part of the book of First Samuel. And so I come to you this morning really uh, with a, a question. How many times have you heard people quote from Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 11? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. People quote it and they cling to it as they seek direction for the future relating to a job, relating to retirement, relating to a, a new role in the church or relating going into full-time ministry of some description or when they're thinking about getting married or when they're thinking about going out with a boy or a girl, etc., etc. This verse, it brings with it such clarity and such reality and such certainty that it's almost unreal. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And it then goes on to say, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Hallelujah! That's God's plan. I love it. Sign me up. Give me more. Let's do it. Let's do God's plan all the time. Every day. And God bless you. Today, 
as we've said, we're concluding our series on respect. As we finish with King Saul in this last chapter of 1 Samuel. And we'll be recapping and thinking about Samuel, or about Saul's life and about how God's plan worked out there. As we bear in mind those words from Jeremiah and that excitement of God's plan, we go to 1 Samuel chapter 10 and verse 1, and there we read and read about how Saul was anointed the king. Has not the Lord anointed you leader over his inheritance? There, what did I tell you? Jeremiah 29 and 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. There's God's promise coming true for Saul back in chapter 10. Saul, at the age of 30, was going to be the first king of Israel. And his family were going to reign over Israel forever and ever. Saul actually ended up for reigning around 42 years but as in life so often things changed things changed from chapter 15 onwards it was there in chapter 15 and verse 3 that Saul was given the instruction to totally destroy the Amalekites Saul was given an instruction from God through the prophet Samuel this this was God's plan for Saul, when God gives you and gives me an instruction, we need to listen. We need to take time. Take that letter T in respect. We need to take time to listen. We need also to obey. And that is what the prophet Jeremiah was saying in verses 12 and 13 that come after the promise of verse 11. It says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We, like Saul, are to obey God. We are to seek him with all of our heart because God has the perfect plan for your life and for mine. Can you grasp? Can you reach out and grasp that reality for yourself today? Can you reach out and respect God's plan for your life? Saul, in his situation, it turns out that he partially obeyed God, or in other words, disrespected God's plan. Because he didn't do what God asked him. And isn't that exactly what we so often do in our lives we partially, we partly obey God's instructions to us. God has given us instructions in the Bible. And when we don't obey those instructions that he has given to us, then we are being disrespectful to him. We are disobeying him. Saul, in other words, thought that his plan for his life was better than God's plan for his life and very often and too often sadly we're inclined to think the same that we can do things better than God that our ways are better than God's ways and so we take ourselves back to to verse 1 
of that chapter that we read. Now the Philistines fought against Israel. The Israelites fled before them, and many fell dead on Mount Gilboa. The Philistines were in hot pursuit of Saul and his sons, and they killed his sons, Jonathan, Abinadab, Milkaishua. We have fast-forwarded through Saul's life, or we have come to the end of Saul's life, and we want to say those words that we opened with our text for this morning from Jeremiah, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And we humanly want to say that everyone will live happily ever after. We humanly want to say that after a person dies, they're in a better place. But how can we? How can we say that? Saul is dead. His three sons are dead. His army is defeated. Israel is humiliated. How can this be? Sure, God's plan was to prosper Saul and the nation of Israel. And here we have death and destruction all around us. Saul has been harmed. Saul has had everything stolen from him. Saul no longer has a future. But we say, but this can't be. This can't be God's plan. Well, in reality, we just can't cherry pick the nice bits of God's plan for our lives. We have to be willing to accept the demands. We have to be willing to accept the responsibility that God has placed on our shoulders. God will only give us all the things that he has promised when we truly follow him and have a respect for his plan. To say that I believe in Jesus, to say I got saved, is only reaching out to grab the promise. The promise is not delivered to us unless we are living each day with a desire to obey God's plan, a desire to obey God's word. And that, sadly, folks, is where Saul went wrong. And sadly, that is where many of us are going wrong today. So come with me. Come with me to this scene here in this chapter of 1 Samuel and visit the scene of devastation as a result of Saul not respecting the plan and the will of God. Let's go to the bloodshed and the bodies and the armor and the swords all strewn on that hilltop. And all around is death and destruction. Verse 6, So Saul and his three sons and his armor bearer and his men died together that same day. There are many sad and tragic situations when we will say, isn't that awful? I had a past minister of this congregation, the Reverend Alistair Smith, on the phone during the week and I said Alistair do you remember having three deaths on three days 
or three funerals in three days in a row in this congregation. He said, I don't believe I do. And we have seen the deaths of three of our members in this congregation. Just as Saul saw the death of his three sons. And that is difficult for us. It has an impact on our lives. There are many sad and tragic situations when we'll we'll say, isn't that awful? And how terrible. Where is God? Where was God? God can't be a God of love if he let that happen. And so the final scene in the story of Saul, it concludes with multiple murders, including that of Saul and his sons in the battlefield. You can imagine that it was a barren scene of hopelessness, of death and destruction. Folks, the reality is that if we reject God's plan, if we do not seek God with all of our heart and all of our being, then our lives will end in bitter destruction. We will miss heaven and we will end up in eternal destruction in hell. We may count disobedience to God a minor thing in this day and age. We may even think it insignificant. But it is a deadly thing. The scene for this closing chapter is that of despair. And the scene for this chapter of despair has been set back in chapter 28. Remember there in verse 1 that Saul went to Endor to meet the medium and talk to Samuel. And in those days the Philistines gathered their forces to fight against Israel. Verse 1 tells about the Philistines gathering to fight against Israel. And then in verse 18, because you did not obey the Lord or carry out his fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you this day. What was that? comes in verse 19. The Lord will hand over both Israel and you to the Philistines and tomorrow you and your sons will be with me. It was set before that again. In chapter 15 and verse 26. You have rejected the word of the Lord and the Lord has rejected you as the king over Israel. And it was set before that again in chapter 15 and verse 10. Then the word of the Lord came to Samuel. I am grieved that I have made Saul king because he has turned away from me and has not carried out my instructions. And folks, it was set before that again in chapter 13 and verse 13 where we read, You acted foolishly, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. And now your kingdom will not endure because you have not kept the Lord's command. Time after time, Saul had sinned. Saul knew he had sinned, but he never repented of that sin. Time after time, Saul was afraid of David. He was afraid of his people. He was afraid of the Philistine's enemy, or the Philistine enemy. Saul was a man who we would say lacked backbone. Saul was a man who was a people pleaser. Saul was a man who never found true contentment in God's plan. Saul was a man who was disobedient to God. 
He was so against the plan of God ultimately that there on that battlefield staring defeat in the face he took his own life. Folks, why should it come as such a great surprise to us that Saul died in despair? Why should it surprise us that God allowed his plan to unfold the way it did? It surprises us because we are a people who see what God has, that he has a plan for us, a plan that Jeremiah tells us about, a happy plan. And yet we believe and wrongly believe that everyone is going to heaven. We believe that God is a people pleaser, that he will ignore unrepented sin, and he will throw open the gates of heaven for our arrival. Just because we've attended this church of First Rough Island, just because we've done a lot of good charity work, just because we've served in session or committee or we have led and worked in GB or BB or Sunday school, God says, no. God says, I have a plan for you. And if you follow that plan, if you follow my plan, you will arrive in heaven. And if you do not follow my plan, you will come to despair and destruction for all eternity in hell. The plan of God asks us to call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and then we will be saved. Then we will become citizens of heaven. I know that in this part of the country, just like many other parts of the country, we don't really like following the rules that much. We're more inclined to want to do things our own way. But God calls on us to do things His way. And obedience to the things of God and to the plan of God is very important. The Chinese war general and military strategist Sun Tzu wrote, Every battle is won before it is ever fought. He meant that you plan and prepare better than the enemy, so the day you enter the battlefield, you know that you're going to win. In the spiritual battle in this world, we know whose side we are on. Today we are either in the side of God or the side of the devil. We know today if we are following the Lord, because Jeremiah says, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Folks, what are we doing today? Are we a people who are seeking God with all of our hearts? If we are, that is great. That is setting our focus on eternity and on heaven. But if we're not, if we're not following God's plan and putting our trust in Christ, folks, we are like Saul in a downward spiral. And that spiral will take us to destruction and to hell. I urge you today to think about what you're seeking, whose plan you're respecting and following. Because the life of Saul could be a reflection of any of our lives. Indeed, Saul's life is a reminder to each one of us, whether here in the pulpit or in the pew, that we're to continually be seeking God's way. 
We're to be continually searching his word as we study it. And we're to continually seek his presence in prayer. Folks, if we find that we have no time to read the Bible, if we find that we can't squeeze in a time of prayer, if we find that next Sunday when our church doors open that we haven't time to come to church or we can't be bothered clicking in to watch our service online, then we need to turn to our hearts and we need to ask ourselves, am I following God's plan or my plan? Am I truly seeking the Lord with all of my being? And I trust today, folks, that you are, and that you're following God's plan. In verse 13, Then they took their bones and buried them under a tamarisk tree at Jabbath. And they fasted seven days. To look into the open grave, folks, it's tough. To look into three in a row is that wee bit tougher. And the end is all the same. And one day, people will assemble to bury your body and my body. 